You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well met, fellow adventurers. I've decided to visit the the village of Egmar, Ebmark, which is on the shore of Lake Eb, Lake Ebrek in northeast Helsa. Situated on the southern shore of Lake Ebrek, the small town of Ebmark is home to a once thriving, though recently diminished, fishing trade. There's some links here for Lake Ebrek. This sprawling lake nestled in amongst the forested hills in the northeast corner of the kingdom is said to be home to an ancient and elusive serpent known in various legends as the Beast of Egbeck. The town of Evmark, famous for its fishing trays, sits on the southern shore of the lake. And there's a link for Egmark. The small town of Edmark, situated on the southern law, law of Lake Ebrek, is famous for its flourishing fishing trade. Edmark's bountiful catch includes the infamous Blue Sovereign. Many of the town's residents believe that an ancient serpent, known in legend as the Beast of Edmark, makes its home in the deep waters of Lake Ebrek. Okay. I'm going to click the link for Blue Sorfin too. Blue Sorfin, though not nearly as large as its sea-dwelling relative, the Wed Sorfin, the Blue Still, still Sorfin can still reach a length of nearly three feet. Through the, sir, through the Blue Sorfin poses no particular effect to anything save the smaller fish it preys upon with its razor-sharp teeth. Not unheard of for a large school of these vicious predators, to attack other living creatures they come across in the water. The blue and white fish gets the name for the broad, spiny fin, 
that spans almost the entire length of its back. The blue or sawfin is a meaty fish that is prized for both its flesh and its abundant oil. Okay. Many of the town's residents, past and current, claim to have either seen or encountered the legendary Beast of Ebek, a fearsome serpent said to dwell within the frigid depths of the lake. I think there's a pretty decent chance that I will end up fighting that beast, who has a link to. Through most, through most who dwell in the Leb, region of Lake Ebark believe in the existence of the beast, many of the tales and legends surrounding the famous, famous serpent have largely been dismissed by outsiders. According to legend, a massive, silver and black scaled serpent with a dragon-like head and four red horns is said to lurk within the dark, frigid depths of the vast lake. Over the centuries since the first recorded sighting, many living in the vicinity of the lake have reported seeing and encountering the serpent. While many believe the beast to be a unique creature, there are many who feel it may may likely be a large trosk, perhaps more than one, that prowls the waters of Lake Ebark. By nearly all accounts, the beast of the beast of Ebark is a vicious creature who attack attack and attempt to devour any living thing it encounters. Yep. Okay, there's two places I can go now. Tinium Special Goods and the Beast Den's Tavern. Alright, special goods first. Temen. Temen, a young and excessively cheery man whose glittering eyes follow your every move as you make your way through his clustered shop, greets you in a friendly manner and fills you in on the latest news from around the lake region. Okay, I can sell stuff and I can view stuff. Let's see, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, just generic stuff to buy. It's all really terrible. And you can sell stuff also, but the prices aren't that good. You get a poor ratio and the cap isn't that much, so you'll probably no there's no reason you'll ever sell anything there. Because you could just go to the various Wither Guild places. And if you haven't got that yet, you could go to the outpost in Bigspill for low value things. And then Gradoc and then Trimidor for medium and higher value things. But you'll probably just want to get get the get your Wither Guild membership as soon as possible and just upload it on whichever of the four places you is most convenient. I mean, they all the prices vary, so I mean if you're absolutely going for maximization, you'll check them all out and see which one offers the best deal, but yeah. I mean you get so much gold in this game, you know it's not really worth going through the extra effort of checking them all out every day and working out which ones offer the bit best prices for which goods. No, I just just Nope, just sell it, whichever. Speak with Trerim. You speak at length with Trerim, who seems to drift from subject to subject on a whim. A learner Ebrock, while still prosperous by most measures, has seen 
better days. The young shot creek attributes most of the town's recent woes to the sudden decline of its fishing trade. The blue sawfin, the longer staple of Edmark's renowned catch, has all but disappeared from the waters of Lake Edmark. Ask him about the decline. Tyrion tells you that many in Redbark are prepared to believe that the beast is to blame for the disappearance of the blue sawfin from the lake. Bit silly, I know, he says. Most around here will swear to the beast's existence, even though they've never seen it. They haven't seen it because it doesn't exist. It's not any longer. I suppose it could have been such a thing at some point in the past. But if it was still out there, we'd be catching sight of it now and then. Well, unless, of course, all the people who catch sight of it get eaten. Yes, yes, tell me if anyone claims to have recently seen the beast. Immediately tells you that old Woodford, one of Vedmark's elder sist- sisters, claims to see claims to see the beast quite regularly. In fact, she says it nearly took off her foot. He says, shaking his head. You know how things go, go, though. I try not to become too involved in any of it. Turin tells you that the old Woodford is usually found at a tavern just across the road. He roughly describes her to you, and she expects you to promptly head over to the tavern and seek her out. Well, one of them is usually over there, he says. There's two of them, sisters. Don't really know, know that I can tell them apart. Don't have anything to do with either of them. Your conversation with Twerman drives away, drifts away from the recent troubles of Redmark's fishermen and on to a wide variety of topics, most of which are of little interest to you. After several minutes of largely inane chatter, you politely excuse yourself. Ooh, inane chatter? That's some of my favourite type of chatter. Okay, let's go to the Beast Den Tavern. Not many people go here because there's not, it's not a really, it doesn't have loads of quests and there's there's no replayables, it's handy for, and it's not say like Corklaw where everybody starts off there. But it's just, you know, me and Kitten, who is, who's also just started out. I guess was just looking around and decided to go here. Presumably they're we just playing and they're just going everywhere, which is how you should play the game, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, even if you do go into something too tough and die, what you, you just you lose a bit of progress. You go back, try again. There's no penalties for death. I mean, there used to be. Used to these things called marks of death, uh, which you could prevent with wounds of life. And marks of death meant you couldn't level up until you removed them, and they cost 32 experience to remove, which was a bigger deal back when they still existed, but they, that whole system has been removed. And wounds of life, they could prevent you from receiving a mark of death. And they cost 16 experience to get. So, they, they were worth getting if you'd expected you would die. Which, in the old times, you did. 
But now you don't die very often, and there's no penalty, except unless, of course, it's to prove it counts anyway. So the Beast Den Tower. The Beast Den, named after the beast said to lurk within the depths of Lake Ebar, is a remarkably well-kept tavern. Its, its keepers, June and Irizala Catherine, recently purchased a tavern following the unexplained disappearance of its previous owner, Herbal. Despite it's the beast, the beast ate him. Yep, the beast, the beast ate Herbal. You know, also regular murder. Or, you know, he's a, he's a fisherman. Fishermen die a lot. They do. It, it's just. It's just, it's one of, it's a very whiskey profession. And I'm very grateful for all the fishermen who do it, even though I don't personally eat fish, but when I did, I liked it. Despite the brisk winds, winds that often sweep southward off the lake, like the tavern's roaring fire, the centrepiece of its often boisterous coral room, is more than up to the task of driving off the tune. The mood of the tavern crowd seems strangely dour, perhaps even somewhat morose, based on the handful of conversations you managed to overhear. It seems that a recent decline in the town's fishing trade is to blame for the dampened spirits. Towards the back of the tavern, seated alone at the table furs from the hill, Earth is a white-haired woman. Even from his distance, you can you can tell the elderly woman's oversized left foot is made out of wood. Okay, there's there's some there's an adventure here called the Scourge of Eggmark. He goes by the name of Gramir, though I very much doubt that's his real name. Says Jim, he's a dangerous man, polite on this town, and I don't think folks would care one way or another if he were to go missing. So yep, that's an adventure we can do, but I'm not going to do that yet, because there's some other things I can do first. I'll talk to Odessa Kaufman first. Odessa Kaufman, a tall, slender, dark-haired woman, whose manner of speaking, a remarkable finery, seems somewhat out of place in the common room of Edmark's only tavern, greets you with a smile. She inquires about your travels, then asks how, how it is you ended up in Edmark. As if having suddenly remembered something, Joseph excuses herself and slips away towards the far end of the tavern. Alright, now I'll talk to June. June Catherine, a tall, slim, exceptionally pleasant man, greets you warmly and asks if you might fetch anything for you. He inquires about your recent travels, including what it is that's brought you to Edmark. Though you sense he takes little actual interest in what he has what you have to say. Suddenly summoned by his wife, Jim politely excuses himself and moves off across the room to diligently tackle whatever task awaits his attention. Okay, now let's approach that old woman. Who's probably... Right, probably that woman who has seen the beast, or maybe a sister. The old woman looks up as you approach. She seems pleased when you cautiously introduce yourself. But your demeanour... Noticeably sours when you casually inquire about any recent sightings she may have heard of the lake beast. Think you got me confused with old Warfoot, she says, sighing. That's my old gal, my sister, lives down next to the lake. She's seen the beast a bit, though I doubt she sees much of it these days. Who's to say, really? 
the woman, whose name we do not tell, politely tells you how to reach her sister's hut, a dwelling she subscribes to you in a distasteful tone. You, be, you thank her, bid her farewell, and move off across the room. Ted for Warfoot's homes, leave the tavern, and select the make your way to War Woodfoot's hut option. All right. Ooh, there's a note. Yep. yep. Right, right. I've already looked at that adventure. Leave, leave the tavern. Make my way to Warford's hut. The edge of Lake Eggmark, on the northeast outskirts of, of Eggmark, you find the ramsackle hut described to you by the old woman in the Beast End Tavern. The watting wooden hovel, perched on a mossy bank, only a few feet from the lapping waters of the lake, seems Utterly unfit for habitation. A grimy piece of tattered cloth hangs across the doorway, and a steady stream of smoke pours out of the leaning chimney, precariously perched on the battered roof. As you approach the hut, a curtain is drawn aside, and you find yourself face to face with an elderly woman who, much to your surprise, does not have a wooden foot. Before you can attempt to formulate a bright Polite inquiry, the old woman introduces herself as Woodfoot. My sister's the one with the wooden foot, he says. I gave myself this name many years back. I used to wear a heavy wooden bottom on my left shoe and stomp around on it as much as I could. Silly, yes, but it kept the attention on me, you might know, and away from my sister. She was always more sensitive than me. I always looked out for her. No good has come from it. She won't visit me. She hides from me when I go into town. Let her have, have it how she likes it. Don't need anyone else at my age. The old woman, who tells you her real name is Alyssa, says that, that she can guess why you've come to her. She then invites you in, and you quickly find yourself seated at a cluttered table in the centre of the poor, small dwelling, clutching a steaming mug of palo while you do your best to avoid Lester's intense, almost unnerving gaze. The beast is out there, she says, smiling as she nods in the direction of the hut's lone window. Through the crooked opening, you can see the vast, dark surface of the Mathis Lake. Well, that's why you paid me a visit, isn't it? There aren't many who would admit they believe in the beast, not these days. But that doesn't mean that they don't. Inessa tells you she has frequently seen the beast ever since she was a young young girl. Like most, she feels that the creature has long been cruelly maligned, and she says that your best chance to spot the monster will be from Hawkwest, a large wooded isle near the centre of the lake. Not easy to get to, she says, at least not at my age. You can use my boat if you like. Still a worthy craft. Took me back and forth to the island for many years. Nessa tells you that should you venture out in Faulkness, she has a favour to ask of you, and you listen intently as she describes to you an amulet she claimed to have lost on Hawkwest over a decade ago on her very last trip to the island. It was a stone amulet, and quite round, she says, with a serpent carved on the front of it and an eye carved on the back. Well, now if you see it, you'll know it. We don't hold out much hope it will be found. Will you be going out to the island? When you tell her that the idea had crossed your mind, she laughs. I thought so, she says, smiling. Well, 
If you do, take care. Mind you don't cross the lake at the night. It's difficult enough to reach the island in daylight. The only knew Sala's hut for the better part of an hour, conversing with her on a wide array of topics. She makes several mentions of her missing amulet, giving you the sense that lost object is very meaningful to her, and that she would be most grateful if you were somehow able to find and return it. At last, at last you rise and bid her farewell. She reminds you to use her boat to travel to and from Hawknest Island, and again warns you to take care during the passage. You tell her that should you venture out into Hawkwest and discover an amulet, you will see to it that she is reunited with it. Thank you for saying, Zoop, she says, carefully pronouncing your name, which you revealed to her only a short while ago. Please stop by any time. Okay. At the edge of Lake Ebark, on the northeastern outskirts of, of Ebark, stands the Wamshackle Hut of the Asylum a woman better known to the town folk as, Rawf- as Woodford, the, the rotting wooden hovel perched on a mocky, mossy bank only a few feet from the lapping waters of the lake seems utterly unfit for habitation. A grimy piece of tattered cloth hangs over the doorway and a steady stream of smoke pours out of the leading, leaning chimney and seems precariously perched on the roof. A study rowboat rests on the stony lake shore, not far from the hut. Yusuf has told you to use the boat whenever you wish to. Okay, I'm going to visit her first. You approach the hut and discover that Yusuf is not presently at home. After waiting for several minutes, hoping she might return, decided to check back some other time. Hmm, okay. Now I believe that if I find her amulet, she will be there, suddenly and mysteriously. Because that's just how things work. It's just a rule. I mean, <laughs> something's up, right? I mean, we wouldn't want to have to finish a quest and then have to spend, then have to spend ages tracking down the person. That would just be annoying. Even if that is how it somehow usually often works, it's just annoying, and the people just accept. Yeah, a quest giver will just turn up. When you have finished a quest, they won't be busy. They won't have moved. They won't be doing business in another part of the place. They won't. They won't, you know, be at work in a place where you don't actually know where the work is. And even if you did, you can't go there because it's a sort of because it's a sort of work that you can't. So it's work where you acquire training and special equipment to do and you don't have either of those things and it would take ages to get that stuff no 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 if, you know, people accept if you if a quest giver gives you a quest once you finish the quest you can just find them unless not finding them is a major plot point in which case you won't it's not you can't if you can't find them it's for a reason it's not they got stuff to do. Take the boat to Hawknest Island. In Yasela's sturdy boat, you make an exhausting but successful crossing of Lake Ebar and arrive safely on the stony shore of Hawkwest Island. Hawkwest Island, a hilly, thickly forested swath of land rising out of the centre of Lake Ebar, 
is larger than you had initially imagined. Though barely visible from any of the lake's jagged shores, the island is a truly massive, untamed wilderness that is, at every turn, both beautiful and perilous. You sell a sturdy craft which you've hauled up onto a nearby stony beach, provides you with, with swift and reliable passage to and from the island. So now I can explore Hawk West Island, the hilly and thickly forested island known as Hawkwest is a vast, untamed swath of wilderness rising out of the centre of Lake, Lake Ebach. Watch your steps. Hmm. So no one's tried to tame it? I don't know, put some sheep on it or something? I mean, that, that's the default position. If, if, position. I mean, if, you, if, if nothing else... Just put some sheep there. I mean, 90, most places you can put some sheep there. And if they're, if they're hardy sheep, you can just put them there. And then come back in a few months and go, Hey, I'll just take some wool, doop doop, then leave. Jobs are good enough. And if it's not good enough and you can't put sheep there, you can put pigs there. Pigs are even tougher. <laughs> I mean, there's there's pretty much very few places on Earth where you can't put a pig, and the pig will be just fine. You know, until it's bacon. Then it stops being fine. But then you have bacon, so that's perfectly okay. Yeah, yeah most places, put a pig there. Actually, probably put several pigs there. I do not recommend you do that in places where, you know, you want to preserve the ecology. Because pigs breed and they eat everything. Everything. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The Venn diagram of things that can be eaten and things that can be eaten by pigs. Pretty much a circle. Yeah, so you just put your pigs in a place. Just leave them be. They'll, they'll make their own pigs all by themselves. And they'll spread out all over the island. Then every... Then you want some bacon, just get on your boat and go, Hey, there's a pig. I want it to become bacon. And you go, Hi, pig. You're going to be bacon. Ooh, what's bacon? That sounds like fun, says the pig in piggies. And he says, oh no, becoming bacon isn't nearly as fun as I thought it would be. Jump! And then you have bacon. You know, after a bit of processing. Also, you have gammon and sausages and all the other things that you can turn pigs into. Is that what you do? If you've got, a, if you've got an area, you don't know what to do with it. Put sheep there, put pigs there. You'll probably be okay. Also, you'll probably ruin the environment. Because sheep, pigs eat pretty much everything. And sheep will just eat all the plants. All the plants. You'll just be ruined. Anyway, let's explore. Suddenly, while exploring the southern edge of the land, you push through a dense wall of fir trees and suddenly find yourself approaching a rocky promontory overlooking the lake. 
You paid a note, special note of this location, a lofty vantage point, and may return to it in the future whenever you explore Hawknest Island. The rocky promontory upon which you're perched extends out from the top of the sheer cliff and rises nearly 50 feet above the dark water of Lake Ebok. Standing at the very edge, end of the end of the broad outcropping, and looking south, you can barely discern the lake's southern distant shore. At the foot of the promontory, where the long arm of the ledge meets a thick blanket of moss creeping out of the nearby forest, is an engraving of a strange fish-like creature. A square impression is set into the centre of the carved image. Looks as if the impression is designed to hold something. A particular particular item may be of use here. I haven't got any items here yet, but... If I get something square here, I'll give it a try. Gaze out over Lake Ebok. You cast your gaze out over the choppy water of Lake Ebok. From this high vantage point, you can see you can see nearly all the way across the vast lake in any direction. Now and again, though you're not certain if perhaps the sun is playing tricks on your eyes, can you see what appears to be one or more large dark shapes moving rapidly beneath the lake's large rippling surface? The beast, perhaps? Okay, keep exploring. Nothing of interest that time. Your exploration of Hawkless Island is subtly interrupted by an encounter with a lone black, black, black beetle. The mighty bark back beetle snaps at you with his mighty jaws, and the enemy's pincers bite into your flesh. Powerful pincers bite into your flesh for eight damage. Okay, I'm just going to keep bashing it, and it is slain for, what, four XP maybe? Five. Well, that's close. You pause to catch your breath and check over your equipment, following the defeat of the bark back beetle. Alas, certainly you're no longer in any imminent danger here. You once again set off to resume your exploration. Keep exploring. A lengthy trek along the rugged terrain of Hawkness Islands turns up nothing of any particular interest. Keep exploring. Suddenly, in the, in the midst of the thick forest that dominates Hawkness Island, you happen upon a dilapidated hut. You've made a special note of this location and the banded hut, and we'll turn to it in the future whenever you explore Hawkwest Island. You're standing before a ramshackle wooden hut, tucked into the thick of the forest on the western side of the island. The leaning structure, largely overtaken by the foliage that surrounds it, appears not to have seen any recent use. Where rough-hewn slab of wood that once served as a door lies next to the open doorway, partially buried beneath a creeping carpet of moss. Okay, this place looks long abandoned. But did they leave anything behind? Enter the hut. Suddenly. Pick a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility. 10 from body. 10 from luck. Gotta get 75 or more. Presumably... To avoid some sort of attack, I guess. 115 is a success. 
the last possible moment, out of the corner of your eye, you catch sight of something streaking out at you from the shadowy interior of the hut. It was a remarkable display of agility. You dodged your left and twist to return your gaze to whatever it is that nearly collides with you in a split second. There, crouching on the ground, on the overgrown cat path leading up to the hut, is a small humanoid creature that most closely resembles some sort of goblin. The emancipated grey-skinned creature, his bulging black eyes fixed on you, seems to hesitate for just a moment before suddenly turning off and bounding into the forest. I mean, did we just assume this thing's gender? Probably should have. The strange being quickly vanishes amidst the thick foliage. You're standing before. Yep. Alright, outside the hut again. Enter the hut this time. The interior of the hut is cluttered with debris. Though nothing inside the hut appears to be in any sort of usable condition. Based on what is readily observable, it seems the structure has been abandoned for several years. Let's have a closer look. You search through the pile of debris littering the interior of the hut. Make a surprising discovery. Beneath the ramshackle remains of a wooden chair, towards the back of the ramshackle dwelling. No, it's broken elements of a wooden chair, towards the back of the ramshackle dwelling you find a tattered cloth bag. Inside the bag is a long crystal rod. The curious objects, as long as, as long as your forearm, seems out of place amidst the clutter that fills the hut. Believing the rod could somehow prove useful, you immediately take possession of it. It's a long crystal rod. This long, round crystal rod seems to hum when held at certain angles. You found this curious item while exploring Hawk West Island. With the rod touched in amongst your belongings, you complete your search and make your way outside. Yep, nothing more happens in this hut, at least for now. Right, keep exploring. Lengthy trek. Yep, nothing of interest that time. Nothing of interest. Nothing of interest. Suddenly... While making your way along an overgrown path on the southern edge of the island, you stumble upon a small clearing, the centre of the grassy swath, almost completely hidden behind the lush, swaying growth, is a thin, unremarkable gravestone. Alright, so they bury people on this island? Alright, maybe that might explain why they don't seem to have done anything with it. It's spooky. A thin slab of stone, a plain grave marker, stands in the centre of this small, grassy clearing. Several dis- indistinct engravings can be seen on the stone, though most of the carving appears to have long since eroded away. Suddenly, you suddenly spot something lying on the ground just beside the grey stone. Spit peering down through the long, swaying grass, you are surprised to discover the object is a long, crystal rod. The rod, nearly as long as your forearm, seems out of place next to the lonely grave. Believing the rod could somehow prove useful, you immediately take possession of it. It's my second long crystal rod. Yep, this long crystal rod seems to hum when held at certain angles. You found this curious item while exploring Hawkness Island. Hmm. 
I'm guessing they go together somehow, maybe? Yeah. Okay, keep exploring. No. What could... Alright, I've just found some place. The edge of a small bog, you find a place. You're standing in amongst the crumbling ruins of an ancient structure on the eastern side of Hawkness Island. The massive blocks that make up the walls of the once imposing building lie scattered throughout this grounding forest. In the centre of the ruins is a wide opening in the earth, through which descends a set of broad stone steps. The steep one of the stairs vanishes into darkness only a few yards below. Right. If we can climb down the stairs or move away from the ruins. I'm, I'm going to put that off for now. Explore some more. Nothing of interest this time. Suddenly, while moving through a boggy region on the western side of the island, you happen upon a massive statue half buried in the soft earth. The, the massive statue before you, half buried in the soft earth at the edge of the small bog, depicts a fearsome fang serpent, the serpent's broad head disproportionately larger, larger than the west of its scaled body is turned skyward, its jaws stretched wide. You can only surmise the statues meant to depict the legendary Beast of Evmark. Examine the statue more closely. You move closer to the massive statue, carefully examine it. Almost half of the giant sculpture is buried in the soft earth. The statue is slowly being claimed by the creeping end, edge of the bog next to which it sits. You're about to step away from the statue when you suddenly spot something sparkling in its gaping fang-filled maw. You climb up onto the front of the sculpture and peer into its mouth. There, lying at the back of a deep, deep hollow, is a long crystal wad. Believing the wad could prove, somehow prove useful, you immediately take possession of it. So that's three of these wads now. Alright. I'm going to do something with them at some point. I'm exploring. Nothing's turning up yet. Keep exploring, keep exploring. Gotta find something to do with that wad. Keep exploring. Keep exploring. Oh, I've still... Oh, it's a blown bark back beetle. We, their knees have a link. The thick shells of these large carnivorous beetles resemble rough tree bark. But bark back beetles, a particularly rugged variety of beetle, they're just slightly larger than a wolf. Alright, I'm just going to... Quick combat those, they are slain, 5xp. I check my equipment and go on my way. It's a tri-jaw. So we've seen them in a few places. And we last we encountered them while we were with the Border Rangers Guild. Right, keep exploring, it's another tri-jaw. Quick combat. 3xp for that. Nothing of interest that time. Nothing of any interest. It's a jade fang ant. Yes. We saw those before. We just expected, I mean. 
animals do, you know, move about and breed and stuff. So you are going to find the same sort of animals across a kingdom, aren't you? And it'd be quite ridiculous if every cave just happened to have its own species of me of wolf-sized flora. I mean, if it was tiny beetles and they each had their own variety, I mean, that's to be expected, but... I mean, you just can't get the population, self-sustaining population of medium-sized animals on just one island. Well, well, one cave in one island, anyway. Keep exploring, keep exploring. What could turn up? Alright, two highball beetles. Quick combat those. Eight gold. And some XP as well. Keep exploring. And I've got to find some place where I can do something. Four highball beetles. Four XP for those. Armor scavenger. Those are grey shield beetles. Oh, alright. I'm... Oh yeah, I'm fully loaded up, so I can't even sell anything. So I'm going to pause for a bit while I sell some stuff, then keep exploring until something turns up. Suddenly, while exploring the northern side of the island, you happen upon the gaping mouth of a cave in the tangled mist of the forest. You've made a special note of this location, a cave in the forest, and we'll return to it in the future, whenever you explore Hawked West Island. You're standing before the gaping mouth of a cave, in the midst of a particularly tangled section of the forest that covers the island. A chill, damp breeze lifts out of the cave's shadowy moor. Enter the cave! You're standing just inside the mouth of the cave. To the west, a gently sloping passage descends into darkness. The air here is damp and heavy, making it something of a labour to draw a full, deep breath. With the reassuring glow of your light chasing the gloom from these damp passages, you warily explore the cave. Okay, the sound of something large moving in the tunnel ahead, just beyond the range of your light, freezes you in mid-step. You assume a defensive stance. A massive cave spider, easily the size of the horse, charges into view. The grey, hairy arachnid, its bulbous albumin scraping off the floor of the cave, rushes forward and attacks. Uh, I guess it's not gonna let me pet it then. Massive cave spider. The massive case spider rushes forward and attacks. The spider stinger stabs your flesh. Your body score helps you to avoid being paralysed by the spider's venom, but I still take seven damage. Keeps rushing forward and attacking. Keeps... Oh, and another special. Probably seven damage. St spider stinger stabs into your flesh for another seven damage. It's almost down, and down it goes. 70 experience. You quickly step back from the oozing carcass of the slain spider, and quickly check over your equipment, 
before once again setting off through the cave. Okay. Hmm. So I've been making my my west, and there's an alcove to the south. A stone pedestal stands in the center of the cave chamber. Three nearly round holes, each several inches deep, are bored into the top of the pedestal in a triangular formation. Well, there's three things I've got which would fit in that. Those crystal rods. Use them. There we are. You place the three crystal rods into the hole set at the top of the pedestal. 256 experience to general. Well, that means I did, did something I was supposed to. With all three crystal rods now in place, you wait for something to happen. Oh, to become somewhat dismayed when nothing does. Well, if it has happened, it's too far away for me to see. All three holes are fitted with long crystal wads. Okay, now in the northwest corner, making my way south and east. Okay, going east a bit, there's another alcove to the north. Skeletal remains of four humans lie heaped against the wall at the northern end of the cave passage. How did they get there? Did they just get washed up? Fishermen that got washed up on the island? But they were too wounded, had it was winter, and they they sheltered in this cave, but... It was, they got snowed in and then they died in this alcove. Something like that, maybe. Search the remains. You search through the, through the skeletal remains and discover the following. Just a pretty, pretty good loot drop. Just take all the stuff. And also 18 gold. Obviously, the loot will no longer be there when I leave the location. Because who's going to save the position of all that loot? It's just awkward. 18. Having completed your search, you step away from the heap of bones and quickly, quick and carefully check over your equipment before preparing to set off on your way. Alright, I'll be selling all that stuff. Okay, I've, I'm now in the south western side and there's a there's a little bit of cave beyond this, and there's a question mark here. You freeze in mid-step and draw yourself into a defensive stance as a strange and unnerving sight appears out of the gloom up ahead. A glowing, churning cloud of blue mist slowly drifts slowly back and forth across the cave tunnel, less than ten yards from where you stand. Now and again. The spinning cloud seems to start to ward you. Though after covering only a few feet, it promptly retreats. Approach the glowing cloud. As you draw closer to the blue glowing cloud, the churning tunnel of vapours rapidly transforms into the misty-like lightness of a sword-wielding warrior. With unnerving speed, your vaporous foe a product of the ancient magic long ago employed to protect this cave, surges forward and attacks. It's a mist warrior. I'll just, it swipes out at you. Just going to bash it. 
His attack sends a Jeffrey chill all over my body and turns, does some damage. And it does it again. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill the length of your body for 10 damage. It's nearly down. And, oh, quick stones just stored a 20. That's nice. 38 XP. Your misty foe dissipates into thin strands of glowing vapour that rapidly weave themselves into the churning funk of the glowing mist. You... I, you cautiously keep your distance from the glowing cloud of blue mist as it continues to drift slowly back and forth along the cave tunnel. Now and again, the spinning cloud seems to start towards you, though only, only covering over a few, only a few feet. It promptly retreats. Approach the glowing cloud. You watch with growing dismay as a churning funnel of glowing vapours Rapidly transforms into the misty likeness of a caped swordsman with unnerving speed. Your vaporous foe, a product of ancient magic long ago employed to protect this cave, surges forward and attacks. It's a mist swordsman and I begin combat with it. Swipes out at you, deftly chill for some damage. Okay, keep it going, keep it going. Store to 20 and slain. Another 38 XP. Your foe rapidly dissipates into thin strands of glowing vapour that rapidly weave themselves into the churning funnel of glowing mist. Okay, can approach the cloud again. Here's another mist warrior. Just going to quickly bash that to pieces. Here we are. Just slain. Another 38 experience. Alright, approach the glowing cloud. And with our nerve, it's another mist. We watch with going dismay as a churning tunnel of the glowing vapour rapidly transforms into the misty likeness of a max wielding warrior. With unnerving speed, your vaporous foe product of this ancient magic long ago employed to protect this cave surges forward and attacks it's a mist warrior Slap, swipes out at you with its axe okay just gonna deftly chill and it is slain 38 xp your misty foe dissipates into thin strands of glowing vapor that rapidly weave themselves into the churning tunnel the glowing mist. Approach the glowing cloud again. You watch the misty swordsman, like product of ancient magic long ago, employed to protect this mage, surges forward and attacks, swipes out of you. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill the length of your body for 11 damage. I'm just going to bash it now. Bash, 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 bash. And it is slain. 38 XP. Your misty foe dissipates into thin strands of glowing vapour that rapidly weave themselves into the churning tunnel of glowing mist. Without warning, the spinning cloud suddenly vanishes, leaving no trace of itself behind. 138 experience to general. The sound of something moving in a tunnel ahead, beyond the range of your light, freezes you in mid-step. 
as you draw yourself into 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 combat ready stance, a large cave spider, easily the size of a wolf, stalks into view. The grey, hairy arachnid, its bulbous abdomen nearly touching the floor of the cave, rushes forward and attacks it's another cave spider. And that's a bashness one too. Yes, and it is slain. 8xp. You spend several moments recovering from the fight before once again setting off through the damp gloom of the cave. Alright. You were an explorer. Okay. Oh, it's another cave spider. Just going to bash that quickly. Tries to sting me. Did some damage, but it's slain. 8xp. You spend several moments recovering from the fight before once again setting off through the damp gloom of the cave. Okay, in the very southwest corner of the cave is another question mark. The top of a wooden ladder precludes from a wide, roughly circular opening in the floor of the cave here. Peering down through the opening, your eyes follow the ladder as it plunges into darkness and disappears from sight nearly ten yards below. The ladder appears to be quite sturdy. Well, again, I guess I'm going to climb down it then. Slowly and carefully. Diligently testing each wooden one. one before you place your full weight upon it, you climb down the wooden ladder. After what seems like an eternity, you reach with your foot for the next one, only to find have your probing extremity pressed against solid stone. Thankful to, thankful to have completed the descent, you step off the ladder and set the bright. Reassuring glow of your trusted light against the gloom that fills the massive chamber you dust entered. The immense subterranean chamber spread out before you almost defies description. Nine massive natural columns of stone soar from the soaking floor of the cavern to its jagged ceiling far overhead. To the north, on the far end of the chamber, extends a wide pool of dark water. A small boat rests against the edge of the pool. How did they get that boat there? Boats are really large. Well, compared to, you know, what a person can carry. Did they carry the boat down there? Or did they bring some wood here and make it? I mean, that's difficult because a boat isn't just, you know regular bits of wood. I mean, there's the keel. You need, you need special equipment to make a keel of a boat. How would they get it down there? Was it magic? I'm going to say it was magic. As far as you can tell, the ladder you de descended to a wire here appears to be the only way in and out of the chamber. Investigate the dark pool. You're standing on the northern edge of the massive cave chamber, on the edge of a broad pool of dark water. Through the pool, nearly 50 feet in diameter, appears to be entirely contained within the chamber. A wooden boat rests nearby. A pair of oars lies next to the small craft, because of course they do. Examine the boat. You peer into the small boat and discover a wooden box. The iron-banded box is locked, but it only takes a single sharp blow. The spring opens its lid. Inside the box, you discover a small quantity of gold 
and a stone amulet. Your pulse quickens when you suddenly realise the amulet is the very piece described to you by Yusilla. You quickly take possession of it. That's 14 gold tokens and a stone serpent amulet. I'm just going to look at it. View. Cumbrance of one. This small round stone amulet bears an engraving of a serpent on one side and a carved eye on the other. This is undoubtedly the amulet Yersir claims to have lost on Hawkfest Island. I think she put it there. Because, I mean, if you lost something, it wouldn't just conveniently end up in a boat. It wouldn't conveniently end up in a box, on a boat, in a ladder. Down a ladder, none of which, just all of which seem really convenient. The amulet is attached to a thin chain. With the amulet in hand, you step back from the boat. Examine the boat again. Nope, nothing's there. Move away from the pool. Alright, climb up and out of the tank, Granger. You slowly and cautiously make your way back up the wooden ladder. Several minutes later, you reach the top of the ladder and emerge, emerge from a large opening into the floor of the cave. Okay, let's make my way out of this cave. It's another cave spider, side of a wolf, big abdomen, quick combat, stain, it XP. Alright, another cave spider, quick combat, stain, it XP. Alright, another cave spider, 8 XP for that one too. Like how many spiders can you have in one cave? I mean, okay, regular spiders, thousands, but these are big. What do they? What do they do? Do they just hide in here? Hide in here? You know, to rest and stuff, and then hunt the entire island? I guess so. Okay, I think we've just had some ecological effects. With all these cave spiders we're, we're slaying. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I guess without these, these, with all these spiders gone, whatever sort of thing that these spiders prey upon is going to breed out of control and probably decimate whatever it is that they prey upon. Or if they're herbivores... Street, street, purge the island of all vegetative matter. Mm. Or maybe the island big, has a big enough... Has a big enough population... Is big enough population that the few that I've slain don't, won't have an effect. Because I thought it's quite a big island. Leave the cave. Move away from here. Call off your exploration. Okay, let's go. Let's go give Woodfoot her amulet, and I think we'll put off exploring those ruins for next time. Because, well, ruins. As an archaeologist and an adventurer, I can tell you, ruins are are, are definitely something worth exploring. Yeah, take the boat back. 
you take your silly sturdy buck back across the lake and arrive safely, safely but exhausted, on the stony shore near her small ramshackle hut. Okay. I'm going to visit your sailor now. You find your sailor at home. Oh, wow, I've finished the quest and she's home. That's convenient, but expected. Toiling over a steaming pot of fish, of fish stew, the elderly woman is overjoyed when you produce the stove amulet and hand her the curious piece. She immediately places the amulet's thin chain around her neck and smiles as she gazes down at the object she obviously assumed was forever lost. You know, having put it in a particular box in a boat down a ladder, which you could only could possibly have gone to deliberately. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure this was some sort of witchy plan. Because you could only... Yeah, you're, you're some sort of witch. A good witch, mind. I'm not, not meaning as an insult. You're just female, and you have magic. A lot of it, lot of women have magic. Yeah, and honestly, some of them do weird stuff. And I'm perfectly fine to go along with it. Yeah. 128 experience to general. And she's got the amulet back. Ysela, barely able to tear her gaze away from the amulet, now dangling from the chain around her neck, thanks you repeatedly as she continues to study beloved Ivan. I don't know what it means to be able to look look at this old bit again, she says, almost giddy as she fondles the amulet. It's more, more just, well, I'm sure not if it means anything to anyone but me. Thank you again, Zoop. Yasuda's demeanour suddenly hardens, and she pointedly asks you where on the island you found the amulet. Oddly enough, you can't seem to remember where it was you discovered. A curious object. Yes, that sometimes happens to us, she says, her expression softening as, as a smile spreads across her creased face. I wouldn't fret over it. Perhaps one day it'll come back to you. These things often do, but if it doesn't, there's no need to worry over it. Suddenly, Ysera reaches out and takes hold of your hands. Before you quite know what's happening, a strange sensation passes along your arms and surges through your body, leaving you breathless. You glance down and find that your hands and those of Ysera are weaved with a glowing cloud of blue mist. The mist rapidly dissipates, departing in thin wisps to the far corners of the room. Yep. Yep, she's some sort of witch, but in a good way, because I've just got 1,024 experience to general and 256 experience to all skills and powers, which is quite nice. Ah, was that a bit harsh? You attempt to focus on what Yusara was saying, but have no recollection of what just happened. You look just a bit tired, she says, smiling, and I know just the thing for that. Before you can politely refuse, Yusalo insists upon serving you a steaming bowl of the fish stew she's been simmering over the fire. After a large hoping of the surprisingly delicious brew and several servings of paleo, 
We spent nearly an hour conversing with her across a wide range of subjects. At length, happy to have shared her company and returned something that was obviously very dear to her, we thank her for the meal and bid her farewell. She again thanks you for finding and returning the amulet as you make your way out of her dwelling. All right, there she go. I'm done with this. This request back to where Mark Popper, auto heal, gonna save. And now next time, I'm gonna explore those ruins. But until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.